Here, myself. Hey. Yo. <laughs> this is like, it's every time I turn it on, it's like, it's just right in my ear. Yeah, this is a... Uh... This is uh, weird. I'm not used to hearing myself. <laughs> like right in your right in your yeah, ear. Yeah, exactly. Uh, St. James Jackson, the Madness Continues podcast. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, amazing, Ashley. You uh, you <laughs> you like you? We turned this thing on and we were like talking, watching a Trevor Noah video right before this, and I turned this on and St. James is like stunned that his voice is like right in his ears. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. I thought you were gonna say something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, sometimes I just gotta warm up, man. I'm like an artist, man. I gotta hear myself for a while. I'm like a, I'm like a rapper. I don't know. Just talking. Yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. La da 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 da. It's the mo- <laughs> gotta gotta got. Do 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 poop. <laughs> Skeep. Swoop swoop. I feel like Eminem when he did that like freestyle uh, whatever rap thing in the it was the BET Music Awards mm-hmm. wasn't it about Trump yeah and then the Eminem like whenever he's getting like warmed up or he's like he always goes like nah nah <laughs> like, ah. it's just like yeah and he like grabs his head and then he's like can't like he's so crazy angry mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that's, he just that's yeah that's why black people like him because he's just open by his nuts craziness. <laughs> We like crazy white people. We don't like white people that are too comfortable. We don't trust that. We don't trust that type of white to people. Calm white people. Yeah, we want <laughs> we want to know you crazy a little bit. It makes us feel comfortable. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. It's probably maybe why you and I get along because I feel like I ba- <laughs> I'm barely ever keeping it together at any given moment. No, yeah, you're definitely super <laughs> crazy. Uh, I was yeah. just funny because I uh, I was just talking with Bill and he was like, you know, man, he's like St. James and I talk about it all the time. Our favorite lemon is the one who can't stand it anymore when he's on stage mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's when like you, and he puffs your he puff mm-hmm. your chest out and start yelling at the crowd <laughs> yeah man because that's the real you one two <laughs> two is it's just funnier is nobody wants to see well i ain't gonna say nobody wants to see i just enjoy you because you're being honest and, and more than not when you're angry you're making good points <laughs> and you're just saying things i can't say because i'm not a straight white male man so i'd be afraid <laughs> You got you like you got you live comfortable, so you have nothing to lose. Oh man, it feels like I got I don't know. It feels like lately I got nothing to lo- or something to lo- I don't know. It feels like there's some, it's some place between nothing and something to lose. If that's the thing. Oh, that's called being normal. That's yeah, what, <laughs> that's called being average. Uh, that's a good place to be sometimes. Sometimes you just want to be in the middle. Uh, dude. So how um we talked we we did your podcast yesterday. Yeah, that was super fun. We got uh, what can and can I not say on this pod? You can say I, anything you want. All right, cool. Because I, I usually, I, I'm really good at stepping on lines for some reason on podcasts. Yeah. yeah, we got real fucked up and it was fun, man. I enjoyed talking to you. You said some things that might mess up your career, so we'll let that come out <laughs> on my podcast. Won't do it on yours. I just, I don't have. That's what I mean when I say I got nothing to lose. It's like I don't have a career to risk. So uh, whatever, I'll say anything. Yeah, of course. Honestly, at this point, with Donald Trump being president, all I, bets are off. I, yeah, I think honestly, you need to lean the other. Also, we live in such a PC world where all these white people and black people are trying to be progressive. Sometimes you just need to be on the other end. I'm not saying be like a, like you know on the right meaning being racist, but sometimes sometimes you, just, you gotta be a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta say crazy shit to get people to listen. 
Well, I kind of one. I think that's true. I don't think that's necessarily healthy. Like, I think that's a a, a thing from internet culture. Is mm-hmm. that like you have to get everything has to get crazier or mm-hmm. more extreme or mm-hmm. weirder mm-hmm. because like everybody has to. Everybody's trying to get attention. It's the attention economy. I agree, and I think that's not good for politics, but for entertainment, it can be. I mean, I guess. Like you know, I was just I was <laughs> talking with Bill about this as I do with most. Most most things because he he's got no job so he calls you up every day. Oh yeah yeah! Shout out to the young Bill Petit, Indian Gandhi, young brown penis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Young brown, yeah, young brown penis. Yeah, YBP right there, man. <laughs> dropping those beats, dropping those rhymes. Oh my goodness, young you YBP right up behind Childish Gambino. Here it comes, C U M S. Oh yeah, man. He calls me too much. And, uh, <laughs> sometimes I gotta hang up on him, man, because he's uh he's living too good of a life, man. Yeah, he really is, and it gets gets on my nerves too. Uh, he just it, things are going great for him, so it drives me nuts. By the way, if this if we suddenly skip or whatever, it's just the most professional podcast in Chicago's uh, batteries have to get changed again. But. Uh. I mean, it's. Did the, you not buy batteries? You, no, I got batteries. I just I thought they were fine in here, and then we started recording, and I looked at it, and I I can see that the there's only like one bar on this battery thing now, so I don't want to stop it. And I guess we could stop it in a minute and change it out when it makes sense, but whatever. We don't need to talk about this. I just wanted to let the listener know that there's an. <laughs> is it? This not live, is it? No, I mean okay, I. Okay. But I mean I'm gonna edit it and pop it out. Okay. Uh. Yeah, man. Most of this stuff needs to be edited out anyway. <laughs> I might say some things, man, like how I feel about the Jews on here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's the wildest thing people have said on this podcast? You're man, wild I, I get away with. I, I mean, you know, at this point, I feel like anybody can expect anything from me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think that that's the, a good place to be as a comic. I, maybe I just I think that if I, I I don't get booked in Chicago anymore, but it's not. I think it's because I just haven't really been trying. Yeah, not the podcast. It's definitely because uh, you just. His thing about I've learned about show business, which is a good thing to learn now, is half of it is what have you done for me lately, and mm-hmm. by that is just how have I seen you recently? Have I have you booked me on something? Have you been on a podcast? Mostly, have I seen your name? That's yeah. it. Yep. And then as you go up, of course, you got to be slightly funnier, but you know some of that stuff just comes. Like the, if you're gonna be the best comic, of course you got to be one of the funniest comics, but. That's the show part. You still got to do the business part, which is just a pair. Just yeah. be around. Networking, show up. Kiss babies. Glad hand. You know, rub balls sometimes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> lick nipples. Show up at the Laugh Factory, rub some balls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to the young uh, Laugh Factory, you know. Shout out to that young Laugh Factory dick crew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that because <laughs> no, I still work the club. I was about to say something awful. Uh, yeah, man. Shout out to them. I uh I they're a good venue, man. Them Zanies. I uh I reached out to Bert again recently and was like, Hey man, uh would love to you know, any open dates you have and he was just like uh thanks for reaching out, Brendan Vic Pondia's doing everything here. So Is that his exact words? <laughs> no. Oh, that is I'm about to say, holy fuck, that would be super funny. Yeah, man, uh, you know that brown guy who looked better than you, dressed better than you and probably has there's a lot of money. Yeah, we got him. But may or may I'm not going to say he's pretty funny. But, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're just going to line his pockets with more greenbacks. Oh, yeah. All the money. We got too many, we got too many white people, man. I mean, Vic Panya's got a huge, you know, he needs to make that money. He's got a huge shoe budget. 
And he's got uh, <laughs> he's got to earn. Man, who's the audience for this? Are we just going to trash lo- local Chicago comics? Uh, I'm down. No, I, I mean, that's I don't know. That's I I feel like that's the the unspoken uh, theme of this podcast is just how much uh, shit can we talk about the Chicago comedy scene? I I get a lot yeah, of I do get a lot of listeners. Chicago. <laughs> I book the Chicago comedy scene. I get a lot of listeners outside of Chicago. Also, strangely, Kingston, Jamaica. And uh, the Jamaica Russian, mine. the Russian Federation, and then I have uh, I think some of my family members in Britain listen to it. This is a yeah, that's a very weird all over the place podcast. I know, right? Yeah, like uh, sometimes in France, depending on because I have some people I know in France who still follow me, and uh, it's a it's a unique yeah, it's a unique uh, it's a unique situation. What what is your favorite? What has been your favorite place to do comedy at? I think Edinburgh was. I mean, we talked yeah. about it on your podcast, yeah, but I think yeah. that one was some of the most fun. Yeah, man. Because it was just insane. How many days were you there? Just a week. Was it a whole? I felt like it was longer than that. Uh, nah, just a good. It was a probably one of the funnest week, funnest weeks of my life. But just, oh, one seven yeah. days. It was a real castle. You saw a real fucking oh, castle. Castle. Did saw- you go? Did you go up to the castle? Yeah, I don't know what we did. Y'all made me climb some hill, and I felt like a slave again. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I think was that that was Arthur's seat, or it was like one of these. What's the other one? Uh, the black. Was no, it, it was Arthur's seat. Yeah, it's uh, the one. That, yeah, it's it's the top. Black you, Cock Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Shout be- out to my Black Cock Hill crew. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, they do they're the best comedy crew in Edinburgh right now. Black Black Cock Crew, man, we fuck with y'all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I felt it was fun, man. It was cool. I I, I got I got to feel like I was I, I got to feel like valued because they don't have black people out there, and uh, it was just cool comedy. Because I, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the difference between comedy over here and there is because uh, over there is more of an urban type feel where it's like you're like over here, especially we do like laugh at you on a Friday or Saturday or Zanies on a Friday or Saturday. It's like you're funny until you prove to us you're not. They give you the benefit of the doubt on the clubs and. And, and uh yeah they're ready to have a good time but over there and i think they're ready to have a good time over there but over there's like you're not funny until you prove to us you are funny it's also just i think strangely it's kind of just also a different sense of humor like because when we did the chicago showcase you'd have half the audience would be american and half would be british mm-hmm. and the british half of the audience would sit there and not laugh and they would enjoy it it's exactly. not like they weren't enjoying it yeah they'd smile and they'd nod at you and they'd it's probably like, they don't got pretty teeth you know yeah <laughs> They probably just want to keep that shit to themselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The British aren't, British men aren't good. I don't know if that's true or not. Are British people good looking? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was a couple. I met a couple of good looking ones when I was over there. <laughs> I might have been the only ones in the whole country. Yeah, it felt, it felt. But here's the thing. I would say this. Maybe because I'm not from over there. When I did win them over, it did feel more like a win. It felt like I feel yeah. like I did something. They're fair weather friends in the United States. Mm-hmm. It feels like you just the crowd will turn on you in mm-hmm. a second. Mm-hmm. It feels like once you have them and they're in, they're they're kind of they're willing to go kind of wherever you take them. Also, they're way more willing to take. Like you can say some stuff over there that I just can't say over there. I, mean, I could like tell people how I feel about the Jews, and then like yeah, and they like that shit. <laughs> I don't mean to say this because I make a lot of Jew jokes and I'm definitely not making a comedy. My girlfriend's Jewish. I love Jewish people. It's just an easy joke. Jews just have a good rhythm to it, you know, like niggas. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised there's not more Jewish rappers, you know? Are you surprised there's not more Jewish rappers? Yeah, man. All my Jews out here fucking bitches getting money. It just <laughs> it comes off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't my know. Jews. You know the Jews be out here, you know, running show business and getting money. 
(laughs) The chosen people. (laughs) How fucking conceited. There's a part of me that's like, the chosen people? Like, it's amazing they're not rappers with fucking egos like that. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. I like the Jewish culture, though. There's a lot of things black people need to take from them. Like Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> like, like their money? No, oh, I would say the banks. That's what <laughs> first thing we take from them. I don't know. I, I like the camaraderie. Camaraderie. Uh, they're very put together. Uh, they they do this thing. They're very uh, they're very goal oriented. They yeah. know they they teach the kids at a young age that like this this is what you do. This is how they're, they're very honest yep. about money. They talk about money. Like as a poor black kid, my parents never told me about money. Yeah, which is weird. Because black people talk about money a lot, talk about quote unquote getting it, but we don't actually don't have a conversation with our kids about what there's, money. There's is. no mental model of how to get it or how to hold it or that's how to, not like yeah. go in the streets and hustle. Which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. If you got to hustle, you got to hustle. But as a, I've learned from having a Jewish girlfriend, her parents taught, sat her down, and told her, "Hey, you're gonna make money, put something to the side, invest some, go get go to college, know what you want to do at a young age, and then do it at the best the best of your abilities and make the most money, yeah. stuff like that. Stuff I've never had a conversation with, and just, I don't know, just, I, I like that. They're, I but, never had a conversation with my parents about any of that shit either. Okay, so yeah, that, I mean, like, which is weird because we're Scottish and, and Irish. I feel like I don't know a lot about Scottish Scots families are very like like don't want to spend money, don't want to like. They're just known for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I just never had a conversation with my parents about it. And the same thing. And then the Irish side of the family just doesn't talk about almost anything. So it mm. just kind of was like, it didn't really. I mean, like, they'll make smart investment choices. Like, they'll buy in- income properties and things mm. like that. But there's no, like, family conversation about mm. it. It's just like, oh, your cousin started a new business. And, like, it's that's funny. It's doing decently. <laughs> and I'm like, how the fuck did that? <laughs> yeah, your cousin's rich now, man. We ain't gonna tell you how you got it, but he just know that's just, <laughs> that's kind of that's that's kind of how uh, black people are. They're like, yeah, you you one uncle. It's always here's the cool thing about black people. It's always one uncle that has a lot of money that we just won't acknowledge how he got it. Yeah, or where it came from. Yeah. How's he keeping it? And uh, it's just he just has it. He just has it. I've had a few, and one of them. Uh, I don't know how much I can say. One of my uncles uh, was a had one of my uncles. The cool thing about I like about like black old black hustlers is they're like there's no middle ground with them. Like all the old my old uncles who have a lot of money, they either have a lot of money or they're completely broke. Like one of my uncles is like a gambler, right? I didn't know that until now looking back. But in the moment, I see him one day at church. He has a new suit on. He has like a new watch on. He's driving like this new Mercedes. Just a new Mercedes. Yeah. Nobody's ever down. seen this Mercedes before. New Mercedes, <laughs> nobody's seen. And then the next day, just come in, still look good, but like ask me for a dollar. Like yeah. what? Pull out, <laughs> like nephew, look, got any money? Exactly. I, I need the week to... before, pull out hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of dollars. Next week, just money gone. So just I that's don't so know. funny. He just had it. He maybe had it at the strip club. I don't well, know. Well, he was. A, he was. A, now I know he just gambled a lot. He was a big gambler, but uh, I didn't know that. But that's something you should tell a kid. Like, hey. Don't be like him because he doesn't know how to – he really doesn't know what money is. He's That's, just good at yeah. playing cards. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny, man, because I look back on it now and I think like I, – I, I think it's a trend. I could – you know, it's a, a trend in my Scottish family is that like we didn't spend – there was no – there was no extra money spent on anything. Mm-hmm. Like there was no – like if we were going to go on a car trip somewhere, mm-hmm. it was like – we're not gonna. We're gonna stop at a gas station. You're not gonna get a candy bar. We're gonna stop for lunch. I'm ordering lunch for you. You're not gonna get any. You're, we're not gonna get a kids meal or a happy meal. <laughs> that sounds like, like child gonna... abuse. I'm listening. <laughs> 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 that sounds awful. I was the same way, but my mom was just like, "I'm broke. 
Honestly, yeah, just uh, it's been plenty of times, but we I ate at McDonald's way too much. Yeah, uh, like I mean, we did. The only time we ever went was they used to do uh, Monday night. It was like I think it was like it couldn't have been five dollars. I think it was like dollar Happy Meal night or like two dollar Happy Meal night or something on Monday nights at McDonald's. And well, like when I was a kid, that's what we did like every Monday. Mm-hmm. My mom because it was just so cheap. Mm-hmm. Of course, way cheaper. And uh, honestly, if you feed your kid. Like, I think it was a point in time where McDonald's was somehow a luxury. Like, that was something you do, like, on a good day. But when I was growing up, McDonald's was just cheaper than anything else. Like, oh, yeah, anything round. Yeah, of course. Well, I lived in the food desert, and uh, so my mom sends me to school. I eat <laughs> okay, like- so tell everybody what a food desert is, because there's people listening who don't know what a food desert is. Oh, a food desert is just when they don't have a supermarket in, like, a 10-mile radius. Like, you can, like, I've lived in spots where it wasn't a supermarket in, like, a four-mile radius. Yeah. You know how un how unreal that is so i've lived in a food desert it was no it was no supermarket so you couldn't really go grocery shopping so all you had to do was go to a corner store which yeah is you go like to a like a convenience station. store or something exactly. and then they and then you could only get food there and even then is it really food yeah it, it was, so you got a lot of like honey buns that have been processed it's <laughs> shit that's been it was the shit that killed my dad two weeks earlier that's what i was eating <laughs> at 12 that was killing my dad at 50 you know yeah. <laughs> 40, 50, he's dying from, and my grandfather dying from all these diabetes and cancers, and they're giving it right to me. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Nothing to read into there. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom sends me to school, and uh, I go to school, I eat breakfast, I eat lunch there, come home. I usually don't eat. I usually go outside and play all day, work, out a, work, at, work up a big appetite, then come home. And then five dollar five dollar McDonald's meal, two burgers, uh, apple pie, and a sweet tea, and I went to bed on that. And that's cheaper than that's groceries, I guess. Yeah. Five dollars a day. Well, yeah, I got. When were you? That was where you were when you this were living was Georgia. in Georgia. Yeah, when you were living in Georgia. When I when I can't. So I've been. I was poor for a big part of my life, but that was only in Georgia. When I came back to Chicago, I moved with my grandma, and from there I kind of lived a good life. So. But, you know, that's not good to talk about for stage. So I just lean to the poor side a lot more. <laughs> yeah, people don't like to hear about when things went well yeah, man. when you're on uh, when you're on stage. I uh, I learned that I have to talk about because I've had, you know, I mean, look, at you You were talking about when you come in, like I have a decent apartment now. Mm-hmm. And like, but people don't want to hear about that shit. Oh. They want to hear about or if they do want to hear about it, it's how things are going well. And I'm still mad about exactly. something. <laughs> exactly. But I guess that's what and this is why I think. uh uh, black people and Jewish people, are, and then and and gay people, are, are the funniest because comedy. Can I say gay people? Yeah, you can. It's just the way that you brought that up, and it sounded like a like an ethnic, like oh black. You know, the, I come from a long line of gay people <laughs> back in the old country. Uh, uh, nah, 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 nah. My family's religious. They're homophobic. I'm not, but they are. Uh, so not me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think my family thought I was gay for a long time. My mom definitely thought I was gay. It was it was a it was a moment where my mom's like, "Yeah, you just you're different." And I was just uh, it's just uh, called being weird and having white friends. That's being different to uh, black people. Uh, so it was a point in time. That's why I think homosexuals, not homosexual. I don't say that. I was, that's why I think gay people, black people, and Jewish people are the funniest because comedy comes from tragedy and having and not having life not go well all the time. That's what a human's at. I mean, you don't get me wrong. It's funny things about being happy, but not that many. It's way funnier to be sad. It's way it's way more jokes than being uh, tore up and depressed and shit like that. Oh, my computer is just trying to tell me that I got a calendar appointment. Record podcast with St. James. Swag, man. 
You see, man, I'm not like all black people. I was on, I was 20 minutes early, bro, breaking standards. You were, I mean, I know that's so early you could date a Jewish girl. Hey, uh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to all my Jews, man. Shout out to all my team blues, you know. <laughs> shout out to all my chosen people crew. You know the the, the West <laughs> West Bank settlers. Hey, shout out to all my uh, black Jews out here wearing snapback yarmulkes. There's you know? a lo- lost tribe of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> snapback yarmulkes. yarmulkes. Shout out to all my uh, black Jews robbing banks that they own. You gonna go to temple with her? You gotta. No, but I made her come to church with me a few times. I, I go to she temple. Ever, had she ever been to church before? Uh, no, and she definitely has not been to black church, which was fun for her. Uh, it was unique. Honestly, I honestly think black church is one thing everybody needs to do at least once in their life. Because that's just a different experience you're just not going to get anywhere else in your life. You're not going to get, you're not going to get, you're not going to see a black woman yell back at another black person and it means good things any other place, you know? Yeah. The, 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 I'm sorry, man. I'm honestly oh, I do not from care. my girlfriend. It's so bad. They had a black woman yelling at another black woman. Uh, I don't know what I meant by that. I was trying to say, yeah, you got to go to black church. It's super fun. This is a good experience. And honestly, uh, uh, honestly, I've never gone to church and left and not been happier than when I went. I, I, people don't acknowledge that part of religion. A lot of people shit on it, which in some cases, rightfully so. But the cool thing about religion is, especially when it's done well in the way it's supposed to. And sure, you feel good. You just feel good. And that's I, what religion is supposed I, to be. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of the biggest differences between black church and white church. Is that like. Uh, you don't feel good? No. A lot of times I'll go to a white church and I'll leave. Like I grew up going to a Presbyterian church that was really, that I did feel pretty good leaving. But it was like. They kind of it was sort of weird because the church kind of knew what it was like. There's okay, so there's there's like all these evangelical white churches where they're like there's a band playing mm-hmm. and it's like a rock concert That's and it's like y- yeah, but you see, but black people are just more more talented when it comes to music uh, and things like yeah. this in general. And so like you could go to because I you know growing up in Metro Detroit, like we did a lot of the the pastor of my church growing up, uh, this guy named Brian Smith who actually used to be a stand up comic in L A. Uh, became a pastor and moved to Michigan to be the pastor of this church called Geneva uh, Presbyterian in, Pl- in Canton, Michigan, on on uh, Sheldon Road. That's super funny. It's nuts that I remember people, that. People ain't buying these jokes. I might as well go sell some hope. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. He, uh, yeah, he he was a really good pastor, and he was really into intercultural. Like he wanted to have like our church congregation would go to to like to black church in Detroit. Mm-hmm. They would come out to our church. Mm-hmm. Like it was, he was really into this like intercultural interfaith, like, mm-hmm. you know, thing. So, which that's, was great. Like growing up. Be, yeah. And it was really cool. I think it's kind of what set me on the path of like being in diversity council in high school and all this other shit, which I've never talked about on this podcast. But like, anyway, uh, it was funny because I think that he kind of, especially after the experience of like, he came out from LA and then he likes was in this church and, like he was doing all this intercultural stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that like the the whole church realized through that process they were like, oh, we're just a boring white church. Like that's what we are. Uh, and so it was after a minute they were like, I think let's stop trying to window dress this and pretend like it's something it isn't. Mm-hmm. So it actually got more tolerable after that point because it wasn't like we're gonna try to like light our faith yeah. on fire, everybody. Because yeah. I would go to like every once in a while I would go to those churches too. Like I would go to. Um, when I was in high school and college, I was I went through this period where I was going to a lot of different church. Mm-hmm. I would go to like a mega church that was around there. I would go to like a different church. Like I had a friend who was like studying to go to seminary, like a lot of this stuff. Yeah. 
And what I realized is when I was going to a lot of these like like evangelical white churches that were like, we got the band and all this stuff. I just, I left feeling like, I don't buy this. Like, it just feels I like feel, a lot of, because like, yeah. but going to black church feels like everybody, this is 100%, this is, people are showing, this is why they're here. And yeah, they're showing up, this is authentic, mm-hmm. and if this wasn't church, they'd be doing it anyway. Exactly. And I think it's, I think it's a little bit of something for everybody. Like, I've been to uh, some, like, white Baptist, white Baptist church in uh, the South, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun. I just enjoyed the fact that they started on time and ended on time. That was pretty dope. Uh, our church, that's something you don't see in black communities. Church in uh, the black communities, like, uh, still going. What's today, Monday? <laughs> I actually just came here from church. That's what happened. <laughs> so that's the cool thing about it. I think it is more relaxed, uh, and I think it's um, more well-spoken and stuff like that. But uh, black churches, just, it, the thing about black people is we make you feel. That's it. We we're, we're always trying to make you feel something. That's that's been that's why music is so good in the yeah. black community. Yeah, that's why there's like all art. Is See, good. and I feel like that's a ex- so that's a cultural difference. I think between white people and black people in America, truly, it's a mm-hmm. different. It's a cultural difference generally between black and white culture. Mm-hmm. Is that white people are always trying to not let not have mm-hmm. anybody feel uh, not. I don't want to mm-hmm. say not have anybody feel anything, mm-hmm. but it's like they don't want you to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cause any feelings to mm-hmm. for you. Like mm-hmm. you could, like we. I want to dispassionately let you make up your own mind about mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and so it's like, and it bleeds into like that's what like people say like a white culture is like polite, like it's overly polite or mm-hmm. something like that, and mm-hmm. that's where it comes from is this concern of like, oh, I'm really concerned about your making sure you're you're having a decent experience mm-hmm. or something like this, but like not causing you to have any feelings, you mm-hmm. know? Do you think? And now I could be completely wrong on that, but do you think that's why? More than not, most white people are fake. <laughs> That's exactly why white people are fake, dude. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> black people could be just as fake. I just wondering. I was just asking the question because I I know the cool thing about uh black and urban people, not even black people, but Hispanic people, the same way. Well, if they don't like you, you kind of know they don't like. Yeah, they'll you. find out about it immediately. Yeah, yeah, they'll tell you real quick, not in a nice way. Well, I've had people. I've had I've been I have white acquaintances where like I thought we was cool until somebody told me we wasn't. Yeah, and it and it was it was over something simple that happened a while ago miscommunication instead of them calling me out on it like one of my black friends will they let it sit inside and simmer and then it it grew to something it shouldn't have yeah and then they, they get angry about it later exactly. that that white culture is rife with that mm-hmm. like all the shit like we work at this like St James and I work at the same office during the day Sweat. all the shit moving around in the office where we have like and you feel it too like there's weird negative energy that's mm-hmm. all because that's like a that's a white culture is it's like look. I'm gonna. Sh- I'm not gonna talk about my feelings with you, and I'm not gonna bring it up. I'm gonna bottle it up and keep it inside, in order for us to continue to work together and get along, mm-hmm. and like keep things copacetic. And then later, maybe I'll blow up or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's why. Awful. Like, and it's so weird. But yeah. But it, but here's what's fucked up about it is it's like, why do you think? You know, like if I if I was to like map out like all the rampage shootings in the United States, it'll all be white people. Mm-hmm. It's all white people, mm-hmm. dude. Like. And it's it's the reason is because they have no dialogue around any of the things that actually bothers them. Mm, So it's like I just, you know, you just bottle this up one day until like at the post office, you're just doing this shit, you know, filing things and people and you're just getting mad at everyone working with you until one day you're like, fuck it. And then you just bring in an AR-15 or something like that. Like, I think that genuinely, I think that that is actually what that that. Cur- the kernel of I mean obviously of it's course. more than that of course. but like it's a lot of it is like that kind of thing whereas like 
like that's why but like that's the other thing is like in the white community like the perception of like of 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 black people sometimes is like oh man they're so like aggressive dude they just come and just tell you immediately but it's like what's weird about it is they're like it's just a different thing it's like you can have like you could have feelings where you like guys will get worked up like and i've seen i mean like i grew up with a you know diverse group Mm -hmm. of friends Mm -hmm. like Anybody, all of my white friends had I like the same. I like you have to say diverse. You can't just say, yeah, I got black friends. <laughs> <laughs> I got black, I go I got black friends, man. So I can say with authority. No. Whoa. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, no, but like, but it wasn't just my black friends. It was predominantly my black friends. It was also like different, like minority culture friends with just any non-white friends. It's like all my white friends would have the same thing would be, would happen, which would be like there would be some weird unspoken animosity. Mm-hmm. Then there'd be some like weird like passive aggressive shit that would happen at a party or something and then it would be like weeks before anybody had a conversation about it and then finally it would turn out like they oh man we're still friends everything's fine but like all my black friends would be like it would be at a party and somebody do something that somebody else didn't like and they'd yell at each other for five minutes Mm -hmm. and you'd be like oh my god somebody's gonna get killed and then like and then it would be over and they'd Mm -hmm. be fine and the rest Mm -hmm. of the party would be fine Mm -hmm. and that that would be the whole thing Mm -hmm. like and that would be it would be the end of it but that's also the problem with our society man we just want to talk about and here's the crazy thing and uh and i feel bad for my generation of kids because it's only going to get worse with social media because we live in a generation where people are holding holding in their emotions on top of the fact that we have to pretend on social media that everything's going 100 percent great yeah all the time yeah the, the 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 rate the rate of suicide amongst teenage girls is like skyrocketing mm. and it's because of that exact reason mm. that like they are comparing they have all of these internal feelings of like i'm not adequate i mean all the feelings that teenage people have but teenage girls especially probably have about not being adequate or not being like i'm not nobody's noticing me mm-hmm. i'm losing i'm losing social status mm-hmm. meanwhile they have to compare themselves to this fucking highlight reel that everybody else is just throwing out onto social media like getting dude there's like this is madness to me is like there are now social media companies that exist for moments in like a a, like a teenager's like life where it's like we're gonna hire a professional instagram photographer who will come out and shoot photos of you to like all evening while you get ready to go to and then head to prom or something Mm -hmm. and then they will arrange them in a way to release them for maximum effect on on instagram really yeah because it's like it's so meaningful to these Mm -hmm. people i just think about i'm so glad that shit was not around when i was in school i and i and it's around it's big time in my life especially because i do comedy and i have to remind myself every day limit and i'm a confident guy and i have to remind myself every day i'm not the most confident but i'm pretty uh confident in myself that this shit isn't real and whatever happens doesn't make me more or less of the person that I am. Yeah, it's I think that but that's part of the problem with our this whole society culture that we're living in too is that it's people trust the internet more than they trust people in their own lives. Oh, way more. Uh and that's crazy. And you know, you know, and only reason I feel I'm so I I get reassured is cuz we've all been at a party and uh, I don't know if you still go to the clubs limit. Yeah. But I've, I don't know if you've ever been, but everyone's been at one point in time recently at a dad club with a group of girls who came that thought it was going to be more, the club was going to be more lively than it was, and it wasn't. So they, they take a photo there, and we've all seen these girls who are all super sad right before the photo, and then the photo clicks, and they all smile and pretend oh, yeah, like they're having totally. the best time in their life. Yeah. 
photo clicks, good photo, and then they go back to being depressed. Oh, yeah. You got to remember, that is Instagram. People pretending for a moment in time that life is amazing. Even yeah, though they all just letting their screams and echoes just bounce oh, around their insides. I have a cousin, and this is funny because I'm doing well from, for what I'm at right now. Money-wise, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I was, at your, I was at your apartment. I was like, this is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell people. I just want people to think I'm broke. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, I like I'm working two shifts at McDonald's, just barely paying rent and shit. Uh, <laughs> so, but here's the thing: I'm doing well, and uh, I make this joke to my uh, bill, uh, bill or uh, William Batik. Shout out to the young William Batik, brown dick, uh, <laughs> big Gandhi dick. Uh, I, made, I told him, I'm like, if you looked at my life and one of my cousins' life, I'm not going to compare. You would think my cousin has way more money than I do because he dressed nice. He's always on Instagram flaunting his money, blah, blah. And he asks me for money every other day. <laughs> but that's how Instagram works. The people you think are on top aren't actually on the top. And no. if you, if you look at Dude, me. Dude, and it's even true with celebrities. Like, when Bow Wow was on, like, a plane, mm-hmm. and he was like, and he was like, yeah, just in this, this private jet. And then, like, some dude saw that he was on the same plane and he's like man this motherfucker bow wow just posted how he's on a private jet he's sitting right there and then he takes a photo of him and posts that to instagram that's that you know it's crazy one it's funny that bow has bow wow has to fake how what he's at in life but it's even more funny that the person wouldn't just let him have that moment yeah right isn't that that's where we at in society where people won't even let you have your fake moments yeah (laughs) (laughs) just let me have my fake moment man (laughs) i photoshopped this shit (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask you this, Lemon, because you seem like the, you're a pretty confident guy. How do you handle negativity at this point in your life? Uh, it's, I, I lift weights a lot. I scream into pillows. <laughs> um, I shoot up uh, uh, malls and shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you see my? Did you pass that AR-15 on the way in? No. <laughs> that one we were talking about. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, man. I. You know what? Uh, that's a good question because I feel like I do a lot of. I, I try to. I, I do a lot of, you know, the comedy writing. I've gotten back into the habit of writing for at least half hour every morning. That's good. It actually is. It's really good. The problem is, like, it's the same issue that made me stop doing that before, which is that I can write material faster than I can do any of it on stage. I know that. Okay. And it's frustrating because you're like, I've got all these jokes, and now I have to sit down and figure out which ones mm-hmm. I want to switch in or switch out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and actually, it's, got, it's a high-quality problem. That's how you improve bits. But, mm-hmm. like... Like, I've been writing on this tall man bit for, like, the last three weeks almost, and it's still not, like, that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that's the, but that's, that'd be great bits. So you ever heard Chris Rock talk about, uh, his, uh, black people, black people versus nigga bit? Yeah. When you go, black, he said that bit took, was bombing the whole, and that's like, and that's, that's, that's what made him famous. Yeah. Same with Louie. I heard, uh, uh, whatever his first special that really hit, uh, Chew, was it Chew? Chewed Up. Chew up. Was that his first? Chewed up, I think Whatever so. special that first really, really hit for him, he said he was bombing the whole time until one time it's like he got one thing different. And then from there, like the last end of the tour, he was murdering with that with Yeah, that with that, that material, yeah. I think it's weird because it, it, it they say that like a genius is the, uh, is, is, is hanging out. It's like being willing to, to persist in, or, or, or I think it's like this. This like a fool who persists in his folly will become wise. Mm-hmm. It's like genius is the ability to remain steadfast in the face of like, uh, you know, disconfirming evidence. So it's like, no, I'm committed to making this funny, and eventually it will be. You people, have to. people will come around. In this day and time, man, you, that's not even just comedy, man. That's just life. I've learned. 
Like, like I wasn't the smartest kid uh, growing up. I'm not the most talented in my family. Most of the people, in my I'm family. not the best looking. I don't make the most money. Like, you just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a pretty small dick, man. My girlfriend cheats on me. And I watch her. It's awful, man. But, but point being is, you gotta have, you gotta, you have to have a slight delusion about yourself to make it in. Look at Tom Brady, man. Greatest quarterback of all time. Ain't nobody believing him. Nobody thought he was gonna be this great. And he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, fucking married Giselle Bunchen, man. Yeah, man. I don't know. Isn't that the super hot model that makes yeah, more money than him? Yeah, <laughs> she makes an outrageous amount of money, dude. Way more than he does. Yeah, man. You think uh, you think she ever pegs him? <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's just a pegging, bro. <laughs> She's just like, get down. <laughs> <laughs> or you think she dominates it, too? Yeah, yeah. Just to tell him what to do. Oh, God. Tie your ball-throwing arm behind your back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, now, watch me score this touchdown. Watch me score the touchdown. Yeah, she's just playing Madden in front of him, just fucking dis- just destroying him. <laughs> she's like, that makes him not play Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need that one. Uh, yeah, man, but, yeah, look, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, uh, Kanye West, you can name all the greats who nobody thought was going to be at that level, and then now now they are. Dave Chappelle, Pilot Boy, had ten pilots turned down before he got to Chappelle Show. Yeah, so you got to just got to be slightly crazy about shit, man. I mean, Louis bomb Louis was trash from what he said. Yeah, he and said- bombed. He not only and he bombed so hard when he did um Pootie Tang. Mm-hmm. That was his big. That was like a huge failure, mm-hmm. and he ended up. I mean, he ended up pulling it out because, like, I mean, and like he, he has this great story where, uh, like Jonathan Goldwyn or whatever from Gold, Goldblum, Goldwyn. No, okay, no, Goldwyn. it's a, it's one of the guys who is the his whose grandfather was, uh, like I think Lou Goldman Goldwyn who founded MGM Metro uh, Metro Goldwyn Meyer, mm-hmm. and uh, he. He was had Louis in his office, and he's like, "You're fucking. You'll never work in this town again," mm. and like all this stuff. And then Louis ended up coming out with Louis the TV show, Ooh. and like now I'm interested to see what his comeback from this whole thing is going to be because I think it's actually going to be something. I think he'll I eventually. Think gonna, I think he I, will eventually release that movie. I think. Uh, I don't think he's going to release the movie, but I think he's going to make a great step. Why, why do you think he's going to release the movie? I think it'll. I think. I think he's going to come back and and get acceptance again. Actually, because I yeah. think that. You know, he's not like, look, he's not R. Kelly. He's not Michael Jackson. Exactly. Like he's he's a fucking weird guy. But and like then on top of that, he's a weird guy. But to his to his uh, to his uh, character, will he, And this is one thing I don't know. And our society just doesn't do this anymore. We won't acknowledge that he at least had remorse for what he did. Oh, absolutely. He got caught with, with killing the guy for something he did 10 years ago that he apologized before he got caught. It's one thing because here's the thing. Nobody's stupid. You apologize knowing you're going to get caught. Then no, fuck you, because you did it. To, you know you're trying to protect yourself. But he, I read most of the articles. I could be wrong. He apologized years after, years before he got caught, years after he did it, and years before he got caught in the middle somewhere. He apologized. So that means he felt sorry, and now he's still gonna kill the guy. Now he did wrong. We gotta punish him, but we can't. You gotta give people yeah. time to come back. We gotta have forgiveness. What we're based. 
this is a quote unquote uh, Christ- Christian society, and we don't forgive anybody. Yeah, that's guy. It's funny because like uh, Sam Harris talks about this a lot on his podcast. Uh, this fucking thing might go out at any minute, by the way. But um, this has been a hot twenty minutes, bro. I'm down yeah, with this. It's good. It's not bad. Uh, this podcast goes like this, man. We talk. We get into real shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 pretty good at talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me just sit here, stroke this dick. <laughs> yeah, Louis. Let's talk about him. No, so. Now, St. James is giving me these weird looks like I'm actually about to start doing that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, man, you see me scoot over and shit, just get over. I know, uh, no, I, so what I was going to say, though, is uh, so Sam Harris has been talking about this on his podcast because it's very weird that, like, somebody can, can, can make a mistake. And it's like, look, these are, you know, is it – we don't know exactly what the story is. And people go like, ah, oh, you should totally believe these women who are accusing Louie. And you're like, look, let's grant that it happened exactly the way that they said you know what i mean and and louis was uh doing shit he shouldn't have been doing he acknowledged that he shouldn't have been doing it mm-hmm. and he's like look i it's fucked up in his career he's he's gone out of his way to hire women to do stuff i mean he's there's and and then not been accused of this of of doing weird mm-hmm. shit with them so like it's clear that like this was you know it was some weird shit that he was doing mm-hmm. he knows it was fucked up and he's willing to want to move on with it and 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 seek some kind of reconciliation with everybody. Mm-hmm. So like, is there or is there not a pathway to that? Because it's not an isolated exactly. incident in the sense that like, this happens to people all the time in like the media. And is there any not just me too shit, but I mean like just you made a mistake. And is there a way back for you? We we live. I mean, I'm gonna have to start thinking about this after that podcast is released that I've listened to you <laughs> did you and I did yesterday. <laughs> uh, ha, 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 that. Nah, I'm gonna, we probably might edit that out. Uh, try to save your career. Yeah, I agree, man. We need to find. It has to be a way, especially because I don't know, man. Like we, it almost seems like me touring a person is worse than murder in this day and time. Yeah. Like, where's this level of? Where's the weight to what you do? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Louis is right. I'm not saying he didn't do anything. I'm, I agree. He did something that's heinous, and he should be punished. But after your punishment, the idea of a punishment, after your punishment, you are supposed to have a time to redeem yourself. Where do, Where is that part? Why don't we never talk about, okay, he disappeared. We took him away from comedy for a year. He's back now. What are the steps for him to be, come back into society? We have that for murderers. We have that for people who <laughs> rob banks. Every, we have that for everybody else but this one part of, of yeah. society. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because it's like it's you know people know like if he had if he had gotten if he had been you know caught doing a bunch of fucking drugs or something he'd be like we know what the process is it's rehab. Honestly, it's he'd be a- more honest. He'd be like, oh, he just a, he just a hurt artist that needs to get over his problems. Yeah, but and I don't know, man. I mean, and and the problem with it is the crazy thing about us. We're talking about it now, and somehow, some way, somebody's gonna listen to this podcast, and we're gonna be the bad guys. That's what. Oh, so I I'm accepted that at the door. Listen <laughs> to this podcast. Like I'm, I'm I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I'm a white man. I know I'm the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> and I, but I don't know. And that's crazy because you shouldn't be. I, you're more progressive than some. You're more progressive than some of the, some of the black people I know. You're like. Ah, uh, I mean, maybe I don't know. But no, like, I'm telling you, you're, you're more progressive than <laughs> what, who do you, I'm telling you, you're more progressive than some of the black people I know. Not all of them, of course. You're, you're still you're still uh, evil by nature. But uh, <laughs> well, Azar Osman called me a white devil. <laughs> I think he just calls all white people that. That girl. he does. I didn't. It didn't. It wasn't personal. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, at least, yeah. It wasn't like you, Brendan Lemon, are a white devil. He was like, you, Brendan Lemon, are a white devil. <laughs> uh, you've been born in with the genetics of the white devil. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw him do stand-up on Friday at the Hidden Showcase. I was there. Oh my god, it was so funny. It was he's on another level and he he was at a point where it made me feel like I fucking what am, what am I doing mm-hmm. with my time in comedy? Because mm-hmm. like he's he's up on stage feels like he's trying to solve he's actually trying to work his way through real shit mm-hmm. and he's trying to take the crowd with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's uh he's very well, he opens for Chappelle and uh and he's with Chappelle a lot and he's on that level of thinking where He's at a he's at a point where he, like he's like doing what comedy is supposed to do, which is acknowledge real problems. We're supposed to laugh and also kind of like go give us solutions or at least give us a different way of thinking. Half of comedy is just saying, "Hey, maybe have you ever thought about it like this?" That's yeah. what, that's half of our yeah, job. Yeah, and is. that's that's his entire his entire perspective is like when he gets on stage is is him just going like, "Have you ever thought about any of this stuff?" Like he's like, mm-hmm. "I want to talk." About nine eleven, <laughs> and you look this crowd, dude. It's like here we are. We we came. Which is funny because he looks like the guy that did it, so it yeah. makes everybody uncomfortable <laughs> all the time. All right. Oh man, I yeah. Let's talk about nine eleven. The job my cousin did that I forgot to come with him <laughs> to do. What is uh, somebody? He was in an interview. I don't want to tell. I shouldn't tell other people's jokes on this uh-huh. podcast. But he did one on Friday that's been sticking with me. And uh, I just listen. I won't say his joke, but you need to go catch him if you're in Chicago or wherever you are around the entire world. Azar Usman. Azar Usman. He's he is the guy is fucking hilarious. I need to get him on this podcast actually. You should. So um so we're not gonna solve uh you know me too or racism in this podcast, but. This is. It feels like actually thirty well, minutes one, in, we've had this, like a good conversation have, about but it. But this is one reason why we can't solve it because we all. This is another problem with social media. If we not even this is not social media. This is our phones, and this is the problem with Twitter. Twitter warriors is things like this don't get solved overnight. People don't understand. That's why I think that's why people lean so hard to the left because we're trying to undo years of uh, corruption. Can I use corruption corruption for this? Sure. Years of I corruption guess. of of people not being treated right in this country and hundreds of years of this being wrong we're trying to undo it in days a year a week a month that's not how stuff works well i think i think i think like the other problem with it is that there's this weird sense like like you had that book by ta-nehisi coates Mm -hmm. like i think like this is kind of one of these things where like ta-nehisi coates has defined his position in uh, in opposition to this sort of dominant predominantly white sort of culture but like even as that culture changes like and we and and there's been a massive amount of progress especially in the last like 20 years there's this kind of weird sense that like if we acknowledge the progress it means like are we done and you're like no you don't have to be like we're done but like at least acknowledge that like for gay people today it's way better than it was 20 years ago here's one like for black people today it's way better than it was 20 years ago for white people today way worse than it was 20 years ago (laughs) Well, uh, in the tradition of the most uh, professional podcast in Chicago, this thing shut itself off again. I love that it. I said something so heinous that my recorder rejected it. He said, "Nigga, people." He said, "Nigga," <laughs> and uh, the podcast is too progressive. It wouldn't let him. It wouldn't. My, my podcasting equipment would not let me do it. <laughs> you should hear what he. You should, man. What you said about the Italians? I didn't even know you felt that way. I've um, always been open about my feelings on the Italians. <laughs> you can, no one can accuse me of hiding my feelings about the Italians. Oh my goodness, man! 
you Irish people. What was he saying? We, you were saying you were making a really great point, and I completely forgot about. I said. Oh, I was just saying that it's been a progressive, like, like a lot has a lot of progress has been made in the last twenty years. Yeah, it's a and, great and time it feels to be alive. like I think, but part of the reason that none of this shit is gonna like it feels like a lot of these problems are gonna be aren't going to feel solved is because there are people, and I think Ta-Nehisi Coates is one of them who gain power from other people being angry about this stuff still. Uh, one, you're completely correct. I don't know if I agree that. that Tali Hosky be one of them, but I think this is my mindset on it. I think people just like being a victim, if I'm being honest. People, and I, and, hey, I'm a black guy. I, life isn't fair for me, but at the same time, me living in the mindset of things aren't equal doesn't make things equal. You know? Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help solve any of your problems. Not, so. None of my problems. Sometimes you just gotta be, you gotta suck it up. Life isn't fair. That's one thing I've learned from a young age, and you gotta go make things happen. Now, well, sometimes it's harder, and that, and that's what that's the argument we as a black community are making, and everybody's making that, and the homosexuals, and everybody's like, it's not as easy, but we still gotta do it. Yeah. The only the only other option is making our kids suffer too. That's the great thing about uh, MLK is he did he took the L so I can be able to sit on a podcast in a nice hot house in Chicago <laughs> when it's thirty degrees outside and just talk about how bad shit is even though I'm about to go beat my meat and play two K. That that's what we got. So I gotta sit here and talk beat about my shit and play two K. But but I'm only able to do this because the people before me paved the path and we gotta keep paving that path and being a victim doesn't help that path get paved. We gotta suck it up. And one and all shit is good and make shit better. That's yeah. just that something. I think it's like, it's funny that you talk, that you were saying, like, uh, you know, I learned that shit ain't gonna happen until you make it happen. Because I feel like that, that's actually a pretty good way to sum up, like, your career here in Chicago is like, you just, you've, you've done so much stuff mm-hmm. and you do so much stuff and that is largely as a result of your own work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a, like, you know, like the, I would say like the job at the day job that you got uh, working at the office is like you've like made that job your own. You work on it. You fucking work on shit. You're taking classes at Northwestern for Christ's sake. I'm trying. Shout out to uh, NW I had, bro. Keeping the hood alive, bro. <laughs> Shout out to NW Dick Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that Northwest Penis Crew. Hey man, my goal is. And this is, I just made this up, but I just want to get to a level of my career where Northwestern would just let me claim them. Because I don't really yeah. know. I take classes there, which is good enough, but maybe they let me claim them. Maybe I could be like, that's my, that's my alma mater. I think that's what you should say. I mean, I, I was telling you this as I was like, dude, nobody's going to even check on that shit. Like, you could just say like, oh yeah, I went to Northwestern and like nobody would ever. I agree. I've went to, I've never, no one has once checked about my college degree. That's funny. Like not one time. I spent so much money getting that fucking degree. And they didn't. They're not even going to check on and it's it. That's crazy because you you work a real job too. You, yeah, I've, I've got a real ass, a, a boring adult title. <laughs> we should also. What do you think about? Uh, I was talking to uh, one of the people at our jobs, and he told me a bachelor's degree in this daytime is worth. Maybe that's exaggeration, but it, he said worthless. He his point being is it's not worth the money anymore. How do you feel about that? Well, it's funny because like there's a lot of so they talked about this on the Freakonomics podcast a while ago. Mm-hmm. The strongest evidence for uh, economic value is still in a bachelor's degree. Okay. So it's like you over your lifetime will make a million dollars more mm-hmm. if you have a bachelor's degree. Let me ask you this. Now, if they start that uh, – rec- if, they, if they restarted it now, what would that equal? That's what I'm saying. Do you think- I don't know. That's a good question. 
uh, they say like the evidence is still really strong for it. I think that it's I think that it's gen- genuinely changing. I this is what I think. I think it's probably really strong for the people that like for like of your like 30, 40 year olds who like cause y'all probably got real jobs. For my generation, the only reason I think that might be like a, a correlation is just because the people who went to college are probably just more determined to get shit done. Yeah. But I don't feel like the bachelor in itself is probably even doing it. It's just, hey, if you went to college, more than likely you're the guy who just, I'm going to sit down and do what I have to do when I need to do it. See, like, because I think, like, so I think that there's something to that because my dad always used to tell me that he was like, look, one of the benefits of going to college is the fact that, because I tried to drop out, like, I did drop out once, but I tried to drop out more than once because I hated it. Um, I liked the shit I studied. I liked philosophy. I liked, you know, aesthetics. I liked all these classes, I, discussions, writing papers. I actually kind of enjoy all that shit. Mm-hmm. I just hated the, like, I have to get up. I got to do this. I got to go here. I have to, like, do all these classes. I have to fork out all this money. I'm broke all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, all that was awful. Um, I had no time for anything. That was the worst part. But my dad always said, like, part of the part of the rigor of college is the fact that you have to just, it forces you to get good at all this stuff. So, like, that's part of the what challenge. What is this stuff? Life? What yeah, life. Stuff? Like, okay. deadlines, uh, prior- balancing multiple priorities, scheduling your time, focusing, having to sit down and digest loads of information that then you have to, like, regurgitate later, but you have to remember them, and you have to, like, synthesize points given this mountain of information you're reading and then comparing it and those sorts of things. And I have noticed, especially my, philosoph- my f- philosophical education, I will be in conversations at, like, the day job, um, or just in general, like in other things that I work at, where I'll I'll notice things that other people will miss out on, mm-hmm. because I've had this philosophical education where mm-hmm. it's like conversation and making your points and clarifying your points is like really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have noticed that, but like I don't think that y- you don't have to have college for that necessarily. I don't think there's so. any reason why you couldn't do that, like in the army or like mm-hmm. in some other rigorous like court? thing do, that you is, like do you look up the stats for people who went to the army say that again did you look up the stats no nah, no 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 i haven't that's, funny, that's an interesting interesting thing we should do yeah uh, it would be interesting to take to take a look at that yeah man i uh anything i don't get it to you <laughs> i don't know what, <laughs> yeah i i just think yeah you just you learn to suck it up bro i think being poor helps it uh uh i think having fam- having parents that tell you I think honestly, life would be easier if we just told kids at a young age this shit isn't fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for telling people to, to go for your dreams because I don't. I think you need to tell people that. But tell them, hey man, if your dreams are hard, they're gonna be hard. It's just simple. It's just hard. Be- Life's just kind of kind of hard. Like, cause I think that's part of it. Is like I think that when I hear people, and it's not fair. Also, to say it's more. It's not. It's not even necessarily it's not hard. It's hard. It's just not fair. We just if we accept at a young age, shit isn't fair. I think more more than not, people will be happy with stuff. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, but I think that like the way that uh, the way that Sam Harris sometimes says is that like no one is no one is a uh, um, below dignity. Like you need to have everybody deserves dignity. You know I what agree. I mean? What does he mean by that? Now? So like I mean like people like life is hard, but it's like nobody should have to fucking be homeless or like nobody oh, should have 100%. to. And I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't think you're saying that, but I'm, I'm just saying that like, I think that, you know, there has to be a point where it's like, look, if you work really hard, you should be able to have nice things. Yep. You know, it doesn't mean that you deserve a fucking mansion mm-hmm. or like a fucking Hummer or whatever, mm-hmm. or a Mercedes, mm-hmm. but like, legit like if you work really hard you shouldn't have to be worried about paying your bills and like the thing that blows is like 
you know, it's it's kind of weird, man. I've mentioned this a little bit on on your podcast, but like I grew up with like one side of my family, they've got a ton of real estate. They have like uh they my grandmother is like one of the highest producing uh realtors in Wayne County, Michigan, which is, you know, Detroit's in Wayne County and like my grandfather was in advertising in the 60s and like ended up being involved with this company that ended up going public, I think, and like I don't know how much money they I've never known how much money they have, like and they certainly haven't like it's never like filtered down to like I paid for my own college, like all this kind of shit. But like we grew up going to like Yeah. We grew up going to um uh Meadowbrook Country Club and like met like Bill Ford Jr.'s kids and stuff. But then my mom's side of the family, it was like everybody's working class. It's like they they work really hard, but like even like we the people have to loan money to each other sometimes, like help pay bills and shit. And it's just like weird because it's like you you see both sides of the. Sp- I saw like mm-hmm. both sides of of, of, of where? thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's just different. Like everybody struggles with a kind of different shit, but like there's people who work very hard and they shouldn't have to exactly. not. And that and and, the fun, and what's so ironic is that's that that's the idea of capitalism, right? That's supposed to be the beautiful beautiful part about America is you can have nothing, and if you're willing to outwork everybody, you should be able to get to the top. That's not accurate. I have rich friends who have never. I have a few friends who don't work at all. Who live better. My mom is, since I've known my whole life, has worked forty plus hours, forty plus hours every week since I've known her, which is my whole life. Yeah. Since I can, have, I have a friend who lives a three times better life than my mom. Never worked a real job. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird, right? Like I think like that's the kind of thing that 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 I think that a lot of like issues that were plaguing America like. You know, racism, sexism, homophobia, any of these things, all that shit. A lot of that would go away pretty quickly if, like, a lot of these economic problems were solved. Yeah, that, and that and that's the whole argument we're trying to make is it's not a fair ground. We're trying to be like, all we're trying to ask is let us start, let us start the race equal. <laughs> that's all we want. We're not saying give us anything. We're just trying to say put us in a situation. Yeah, see, but that's the situation white people are terrified of because if we started the race equal. Every all the finishers would be black. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen, I've watched Kenyans run. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you're your own on that one. Yeah, we're definitely winning the race. <laughs> oh man, uh, we should wrap this up. Uh, St. James, uh, where can people get at you, man? Uh, Life of St. James on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter because I'm not trying to get a. I'm not trying to get taken down 20 years from now because I'm 20 and I say <laughs> dumb stuff. Uh, Life of St. James, and that's it on Instagram. And if you want to be friends with me on Facebook, St. James Jackson. Hell yeah, man. Uh, thanks for coming by, dude. Man, thanks for Meanwhile, having me. Meanwhile, super fun. Madness continues. <laughs>